Amen. Have a seat, everybody. Good, great to be together. Good morning, and uh, welcome to South Bay Church. If you're uh, visiting with us, we had a great time last week at uh, the, the shoreline there at Cabrillo Beach. Wasn't that beautiful? It was perfect weather. It's gorgeous. And uh, yeah, it was great being together. So if you came back this week, we're glad that you're here today. A few announcements here at the top of the lesson. Uh, we're going to kind of end with something special here. So I want to kind of get those I say get them out of the way like they're no fun, but announcements are fun, right? We, we love announcements. So there's a lot going on. Um, there's a leaders meeting today for everybody who's a family group leader or a shepherd. There's a family group leaders meeting that we have once a month. That's happening today right after service in the cafeteria. Uh, so stick around for that. Next week, next Sunday, all the singles will be gone. We'll miss you guys. Uh, they're going to be at the Catalyst Retreat in San Diego, Correct. So if you, don't, uh, if you haven't registered for that, see one of the singles leaders. It's, uh, the the information is on our website, southbaychurch.us. So we'll miss you guys. Uh, everybody else will be right back here. The teen leaders are actually going to be gone next week as well. We have a retreat also. But, uh, but at least it won't be a smaller group in the big theater. You know, you'll, you'll feel right, just right in here. Uh, special missions is coming up. I, I know we've been uh, saying that, but just a, a reminder, on June 7th, so I know there's different fundraisers going on. We support with our mission work. Uh, we support uh, Mexico churches, Central American churches, Middle East churches, and that's something they really count on. So if you can uh, continue to work towards that, that would be great. Also want to mention uh, we have a new sister who's just moved here from Las Cruces. Uh, I hope I say your name right, Adeline Beret. Is that right? Can you go ahead and stand up for us? So I want to welcome her. Thanks for... Uh, Great to have her. So she's going to be in our, in our singles ministry, and uh, welcome. Uh, uh, glad to have you. Uh, finally, on May 2nd, we're doing a community outreach projects, community service projects. Uh, it's called ShareFest, and there's a couple of different projects going on, one farther north of our, in our area and one farther south in our area. So you'll be able to sign up for those today at the, uh, at the table there. Anything else, Dave and Mary? Is that good enough? Okay, great. It's on May 2nd, correct? Yeah, May 2nd. And then what? I heard Henry say something. Yes, this Wednesday we have, thank you, Henry. That's, that's, that's what he does in my life. He fixes where I mess up. Um, so this Wednesday we will be together, men, women, kids, singles ministry, marriage ministry, teen ministry, everybody, family midweek at the SDA building. Uh, we're going to meet early and have food together. Taco Man is coming. And uh, so that will be at si starting at 6, you'll be able to get food. I know some people, you know, you're coming straight from work and everything. And uh, we'll end by 8.30 for those that have young kids so you can get them home. So uh, I have one more announcement that um, Gina Stickley is going to do. She asked me to sing her up here. So I'll do a little Gregorian chant, okay? Uh, <laughs> Gina Stickley, come up here. It's time for your Women's Day announcement. Brian's so weird. Okay. Sorry. I was way back there. Okay, breathe. Okay, so uh, raise your hand if you have your Women's Day ticket. Oh, that looks really good. Okay. All right, so Women's Day, we have two weeks, right? So our Women's Day event, for anyone who's new for today or hasn't heard us talk about this enough, is April 25th at the LAX Marriott. It's called Hashtag Selfie. That's the theme. And we're really excited because we're going to address the issues of how social media 
affects our relationships as women, right? With each other, with God, with men, whatever. Um, so it's really going to be very uh, powerful. We had rehearsal yesterday. The actors, I mean, oh my gosh, they're so awesome. They're, it's just so heart moving. We, even I see it every day, right? And I'm like crying in rehearsal. It's just amazing. And the singers are killing it too. And if you go on the South Bay Church website on Facebook, you will see a little preview of one of the singers who's just killing it. So please get your tickets and please let's all commit and pray and work hard to get at least one more. Wow. Earthquake? What was that? Um, that was God supporting us. Yes. Um, get one more friend there or family member or just whoever, someone that you would never think to invite. You know, um, just go out and just pray and do the work for God. It's going to be amazing. So, again, it's the 25th of April. Hashtag selfie LAX Marriott from 11 to 3. Oh, you can register after church today if you haven't already or online. Okay. Awesome. It's going to be great. Appreciate Women's Day. Oh, here's your cool glasses. Wow. I like those. Those are styling. Uh, Dust and I always... We can't say the title of Women's Day without saying hashtag selfie, <laughs> hashtag selfie. <laughs> All right, so uh, we are continuing a series we started uh, last week called Red Letter Revolution. We're going to be looking at Mark 1, if you want to be turning over there. And uh, we're going to be jumping into that here in a second. I hope you had a great week this week. Our kids uh, were on spring break this week, like I think many of you. And uh, we went to Knott's Berry Farm. For a couple days. Oh, whoever has tickets back there, let us know. We got, we got season passes. We'll go together. Okay, Seabergs, awesome. All right, Gina, we'll go. So uh, anyway, it was fun, but we went and saw the uh, old schoolhouse there. You guys know that? And I noticed this uh, sign on the, on the wall there. These are rules. Actually, these are a list of punishments and what they're for. And we thought these would be good in our household to kind of maybe institute. I don't know if you can read them, but uh, I'll, I'll read a few of them to you. This is how many lashes you get. Uh, so you can see there, uh, let's see, quarreling at school, five lashes, boys and girls playing together, four lashes, what? telling lies, seven, telling lies out of school, eight, <laughs> uh, swearing at school, eight, I like this, for misbehaving two girls, ten. <laughs> and all the girls said, Amen. Uh, these are some more uh, uh, wearing long fingernails, sisters, too. <laughs> Misbehaving to persons on the road, four. Uh, you know, some of these are good. Coming to school with dirty hands and faces, two. Uh, going and playing about the Mill Creek, six. There was one about, uh, I like the one, I think it's on the other one. Oh, yeah, this is a complicated one but it's climbing for every foot over three feet up a tree, one lash. <laughs> so it takes some calculation on that one. But, uh, you know, we can sometimes think of Christianity that way. Like, it's all about rules. What did I do? What did I not do? And, and, and church is kind of, uh, uh, you know, following these certain rituals. And I'm okay because I did the ritual or I believe the right things. It's kind of all about rules. And that's not who Jesus was. When you really look at Jesus' words and what he said, it was really all about relationship. 
It was not about rules. It was about relationship. And it was not even about perfection, but it was rather about commitment. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. So last week we talked about uh, the time period right after he rose from the dead and he, and he had that interaction with his, his followers there on the beach, breakfast on the beach. Now, today we're going to uh, go back in time, rewind back to the beginning of his ministry three years earlier when he first called uh, the disciples to follow him. So we're going to be reading in Mark 1, verse 16, if you could turn there, if you're not there already. And I'm going to uh, say a word of prayer. God, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts as we look into your scriptures. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, you would just be with us. We want to serve you. We want to be your people. We want to please you. And uh, God, thank you for everybody that's here today. Thank you for those who are not able to be here. I pray a special prayer for Elaine Johnson. I heard she's sick and has been very sick. I just pray that you would heal her uh, very quickly. I pray she'd begin even feeling better today. But uh, thank you for this time to look into your word. Please speak to us through your Holy Spirit and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so we're going to look. This is a familiar passage, those of you who have been around a long time. But familiar passages are good, right? Because you know them, so they should stick with you. And, you know, the Bible says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians to examine yourselves, test yourselves, see whether or not you're in the faith. And that's something we all need, you know, is kind of checks of our own spirituality, our own commitment. We need that uh, with regularity. Uh, and, and, and we can all, so even if you, I don't want you to tune me out because you go, oh, I know that verse, you know. I want you to track and, and kind of go, okay, what is God trying to say to me here in this, in this passage today? The title of the lesson is More Than This. Because Jesus called them in this passage to more than they were currently doing. And so we're going to see that as we look into Mark 1. Mark 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So just to give you a little bit of context, uh, this is the Sea of Galilee. Here's a map. Uh, Jesus grew up in Nazareth, which is right here. So it's kind of a little hilly area. A lot of shepherding happened in that area. Um, and Sea of Galilee is here. This is about 15 miles away. Uh, Peter and James and John were from Bethsaida. So the, these are fishing communities. There's freshwater fish in that. And, and here's a, this is a zoom in of this. You might recognize this is the Dead Sea. So Jerusalem is down here in these mountains. So you know where that is. So it's about 100 miles north is where Jesus' ministry was. And he spent time in Jerusalem, 100 miles down here, to go back and forth. But mostly it was here in the Sea of Galilee. So there was fish in this sea. This is called St. Peter's Fish. And uh, they're still there today, and people catch them. Uh, this is the way it was prepared back then uh, for uh, <laughs> loaves and fishes. Uh, see, St. Peter's fish is also known as tilapia. So now everybody goes, oh, you can, now you know something. So he calls them, you know, they were fishermen, and, and uh, they would spend a lot of time out there trying to catch fish, and this was their trade. And the way it worked back then, it wasn't like nowadays where you go to school and you, uh, you know, eventually hopefully go to college, and then you spend time in college. If you're like me, I, I switched majors about three times and tried to figure out what I was doing, and I still didn't know by the time I graduated from college what I was doing with my life, and then went into one career and then another career, and then 
I'm in the ministry, and I, I think I figured it out, but I'm still, you know, I'm on a journey, right? Uh, I, I enjoy what I'm doing, so uh, hopefully I get to do this for a long time. But, you know, it, people switch up nowadays a lot. You know, I was talking to a, a guy yesterday who's trying to switch up, what he, or two days ago, he's trying to switch up careers and trying to find a new path in life. Back then, it wasn't like that. You just kind of from a young age, you're going to do whatever your father does, typically. The exception is if you, you know, everybody went through Hebrew school and you memorize huge portions of the Old Testament. And students that really excelled, rather than learning the family trade, they would learn the family trade, but they might also follow a rabbi. And they might also, uh, you know, become a student of a, of a great teacher. And I want to give you a little bit of background about that. This is a quote from a paper by Ray Vanderland, who's a scholar that studies a lot of the, the, the stuff from this period, time period. He says, a few, a very few of the most outstanding Beth Midrash students sought permission to study with a famous rabbi, often leaving home to travel with him for a lengthy period of time. These students were called Talmudim in Hebrew, which is translated disciple. There is much more to a Talmudim than what we call a student. A student wants to know what the teacher knows for the grade, to complete the class or degree or even out of respect for the teacher. A Talmud wants to be like the teacher, that is to become what the teacher is. Does that make sense? It's very different. Like in, in, in college, you know, there, there was a, it was a rarity for me to go, I want to be just like that professor. You know, some of them I would be like, I remember my astronomy professor, he was it was hard to even follow him because he was so smart that, it, it, you know, it was like he's not socially normal. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, and so you have the TA you kind of learn from because this guy is so, he's just this brainiac that you can't even relate to. It's not like that. With, with this system, you are following the rabbi and wanting to not just know what he knows, but to be like him. So that means the students were passionately, passionately devoted to their rabbi and noted everything he did or said. This meant a rabbi-talmud relationship was very intense and a personal system of education. As a rabbi lived and taught his understanding of the scripture to his students, the Talmudim listened and watched and imitated so as to be like them, like him. Eventually, they would become teachers, passing on a lifestyle to their Talmudim. So this was a system in the Hebraic uh, culture. It was also in Greek culture. You know, you had a, the, the, the philosophers and their disciples. And so we, those of us who've been around a, mile, a while, we're familiar with that term disciple. That's what Jesus used in the Bible to refer to his followers. He called them disciples. It's interesting. He never even used the word Christian, which is what people use nowadays to mean a follower of Jesus. That's only in the Bible three times. The word disciple is in the Bible 270 times. So you see, this is a system. This is what, what Jesus's plan was, was making disciples. So when he calls these guys to follow him, so our first point is follow. When he says, I want you to follow me, that's language that anybody in the first century, they immediately understand. You know, anybody reading the book of Mark, they get, oh, I see, he is a rabbi, and he's wanting them to be his students, to be his disciples, to be his Talmudim. Does that make sense? For you and I, we might read this and go, wow, that's kind of weird. The stranger walks up and says, follow me, and they just leave their nets and their father, and they just kind of you know, robotically follow him. That's not what happened at all. They were familiar with him. They knew him. But here is where he formally, formally calls them to be his followers. And that happened. You know, uh, usually a student would, uh, that excelled would, would pick a, a, a special rabbi and go, what, can I follow you? Would you let me follow you? And then he would decide, does this guy have what it takes to be my follower? And if he says, I don't think so, 
He turns him down. If he goes, yeah, I think you can. Then he says, yes, follow me. And in some cases, rabbi would uh, choose a special student. You know, and go, I want you to be my follower because, you know, I think you have what it takes to be my follower. And that's what's happening here. So these guys, even though they've, they've kind of passed the age of being a, 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 a Talmudim and they're, they're in work in the family trade now, here comes a guy that says, a rabbi that says, follow me. So that's, that's why they leave their nets. That's why they respond in the way they do immediately and follow Jesus. Now, this is, this is still applies to us today because later he tells them, I want you to go and make disciples. I made you disciples. Now you go and make disciples and then they will make disciples and they will make disciples. So that's what Christianity is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a rabbi Talmudim relationship. That's not what you see Christianity in our day and age nowadays. Christianity kind of means, yeah, I sort of believe in Jesus, or yeah, I, I accept that he died for me. That's kind of the, that's kind of it. You know, anybody that sort of says, oh, I accept Jesus died for me, okay, you're a Christian now. That's not what you read in Jesus' red letters. You know, it, it's more like this, where they made a decision, okay, I'm scared, okay, I don't know what it's going to mean for me, but I'm going to, right now, leave my nets, and I'm going to get out of the boat, and I'm going to go follow. You know, there's that, he calls us to that point of, a, of decision, even today. God, God calls us to points of decision. So in your life, if you've never made that decision, okay, I'm kind of scared, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus, then chances are you might not really be a Christian. And I encourage you to study that out. Read what Jesus said. You know, we would love to study with you, but look at what he said it me meant to be a Christian. And you can evaluate for yourself, have I ever really made this commitment? Have I ever really stepped out of the boat and followed? You know, in, in this same kind of scary way. Uh, because he's calling you. He's calling you today. And you got to take that call seriously. Uh, I, I was talking to my son, Jameson, 16, and he uh, likes to play the Xbox, and he, he does a really good job. And this guy had left him a, a voicemail, and so he was playing it for me. He said it was kind of funny. Uh, this, this guy leaves him a voicemail going, hey, I saw you there. You were, you were giving it your all. You were really playing hard. You didn't quit, even though whatever. You know, I want you to join this team of mine. And so, you know, call me and join me. And so then Jameson called him, and he was giving him all these pointers. You know, he was like, you got to do this, and you got to do that. And, and you know, th this is your best friend. This one tool is your best friend. And, and uh, you know, Jameson thought it was kind of funny because he's like, the guy's 40 years old, and this is his whole life. <laughs> um, so, so Jameson kind of played along. But he wasn't really interested in becoming the guy's Talmudim. You know what I mean? Like, I'll learn a few things, but thanks, buddy. You know, uh, you know, kind of get a life. You know, it's kind of nice. And, uh, and so that's not the kind of response Jesus is looking for. You know, like, okay, Jesus, that's cool, and I appreciate all the religious stuff, but, you know, I want to kind of follow you in my own way. I want to kind of follow you in, with my own style. You know, that's not what he's looking for. And, 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 you know, the guys, could they have said, okay, we're going to stay in the boat. We're going to finish up with our dad here. We're going to keep working, but we'll follow you later, Jesus. Could, could they have done that? Well, it's interesting because there's other stories that are kind of similar. Where, uh, like in Luke 9, I'll just read this. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, are you ready to follow me? Because I don't even have anywhere to stay tonight. Another guy says, he says to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know, you read that and you go, wow, that's kind of harsh. But that's red letter. 
You know, that's the son of God. That's the guy who said, when you see me, you see God. This is the guy who says, I came from the Father. I say just what the Father told me to say and how to say it. This is the guy who says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, John 14. Jesus was hard line. And so who are we to kind of water down his commitment? Right? If this is what he expects, then I can't, I can't say, well, I, you know, I know he said that, but I, I think really it's like this. I'm not going to do that. He's the king. He's the Lord. He, you know, we just sang about him. And so we can't water down Christianity in our day and age because we, we want to, because we want things. We're in a time where everything's comfortable and easy and microwavable and instant. You know, if you've got to wait in line very long, you start to get frustrated, you know, and, 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 and that's, that's, not, uh, that's not Jesus. Following Jesus, though, it doesn't mean being perfect, you know, because these guys were not perfect. You read more about them and how they messed up and the they, they were far from perfect, but they were committed. And that's what, you know, again, Jesus is not about rules. He's about relationship. And that's what we want in relationships is we want commitment, right? Nobody gets married to somebody that says, okay, honey, I'm going to be so committed to you. Six days a week, I am your committed husband. Just one day a week, I'm going to kind of do whatever I want with whoever I want. But six days a week, I mean, six days a week, I'm yours. No woman in her right mind would take that relationship. That, that's like warning signs, you know, red flag. Uh, you know, we, we understand that in relationships, and that's what Jesus is saying. He wants your heart. He wants your commitment. He wants you to get out of the boat and follow him. He has standards for what it means to, to be a disciple. You can't follow Christ on your own terms. You can decide whether or not you choose to follow, but you can't follow without making a decision to leave something. You always have to leave something. You always have to make this courageous decision to go, I don't know exactly what this means to follow, but I'm going to go for it. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, you know, Jesus is the one that produces change in us. Jesus is the one that helps us transform. So don't, if you're feeling challenged by what I'm saying, don't feel like, oh man, I, I, don't, I, I, I can't do it. I, I'm, not, I'm not spiritual. I'm not religious. I'm not, you know what? That's exactly how his followers felt. You know, there's a, a story, the, the, a parallel story in, in the book of Luke. Peter has this miraculous catch of fish, and he says to Jesus, Away from me, I'm a sinful man. And that's the way we feel sometimes approaching Jesus. I don't deserve this. None of us do. But he's the one that produces change in us. He's the one that makes us fishers of men. He's the one that helps us become what he wants us to be. And, and it's interesting that he says, I will make you fishers of men. Why? Because everything in their life at this point revolved around fish. Fishing for fish. So he says, just like everything in your life revolved around that, now it's all going to be about a higher purpose. More than this. I'm calling you to something that's more than this. Everything now is going to be about fishing for men. And so I want to talk about that, especially for those of us who are members of the church. This is what it means to be a disciple. It means we're a fisher of men, right? And so you got to ask yourself... You know, how is it going? How is my fishing going? Uh, you know, it, it's hard to say you're a fisherman if you never catch fish, right? It's hard to say you're a fisherman if you don't go out and fish. And, I, and, and so that means your, your life is about giving to others. Your life is about trying to pull others to God, introduce others to God. That's what it means to be a, a fisher of men. And, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate the story that DK told about his life and how God worked in his life. And 
amen, that there were some brothers to pull him into a relationship with, with God. And, and, and what if those brothers hadn't done that? You know, DK's life trajectory would be very different. Uh, you know, he, he wouldn't be dating their ease now, you know, which is awesome. Uh, and, and have, you know, a, a life that's making impact for God. You know, DK's doing a lot for our teen ministry and in the singles ministry. He, his life is having impact, but he wouldn't have had that impact if he hadn't made that decision to follow and somebody hadn't reached out to him. And uh, so, so the, the, when it comes to fishing, I, I read some stuff about uh, these guys that we're reading about, the, these first century fishermen. A lot of their time, this article said, was spent mending their nets because these nets would tear and, and uh, get holes in them, and obviously they're not effective if they get holes in them. So they would spend a lot of time perfecting these nets and getting them just right and mending them. And so I thought, you know, that's kind of what being a disciple is like. We're, we're always working on our approach. We're always working on how are we going to reach the lost. What are we going to do? And, and you're sort of always mending your nets. And you enjoy the process. You know, Calvin Johnson is very evangelistic. And he always talks, I don't know where he is, I saw him somewhere. Oh, there he is. He always talks about, uh, you know, enjoying the process. Just like in sports, you're not going to do well in sports unless you enjoy practicing. And I don't know a fisherman that doesn't enjoy the process. Do you? They love getting up early. They love getting out on the water when it's still just calm. They love, you know, all their lures. And they love all their stuff. And they love... You know, anybody, any women who are married to a fisherman, I can see some of you are like kind of nodding like, yes, they love it too much, you know. <laughs> they love all of it. And so if we're fishers of men, we got to love the process. We got to love helping people and getting in people's lives and inviting people into our homes and, and, and all of that. And, and that's, that's where God's really going to use us. This became such a huge motif for the first century church, this idea of fish, that that became their symbol. I don't know if you guys have seen a symbol like this before. But in the first century, they were persecuted by the Romans, and so the church was underground. And the Romans didn't really get it, so they would use a symbol of a fish. They would put a fish on a house, if like, oh, that's where the Christians meet. You know, if they're having Bible talk at a certain spot, then they, they put a fish there, because the Romans don't know. So this was kind of their underground code. And it's kind of cool, too, that the, the first letters of the word fish in Greek, uh, they, they spell out Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Uh, so Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. And, and so this became kind of their symbol for each other. And, and you know, I've, I've heard stories of where if they wanted to know if each other were Christians, one would, you know, draw a fish in the ground like that, you know, with those two, two swipes just to kind of go, yeah, we're, we're both Christians, yeah, you know. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, and, and so, you know, fishing should be, that should define us. We're, we're, we're winning the loss. We're helping people. I want to show you a video that, just really hit me. Steve uh, Marici had posted it on his Facebook page. Some of you might have seen it. But this is really about kind of that decision we have of whether we're going to fish or whether we're not going to fish. And it's called Now or Never. So I'm going to play this video for you.
Powerful video, huh? I've seen that about four times. It always chokes me up because it's so familiar to us, that story. You know, because a lot of us, it's our story or it's your friend's story or you're in that story right now. You know, you're studying with somebody who just got, you know, and they just got baptized or somebody just started dating, you know, or, you know, somebody just got married that, you know, God is so good in how he puts our lives together in such wonderful ways. But it starts with following him and people can't follow him unless we invite them to follow him. God works through people. And so Jesus isn't on the earth calling people to be his disciples anymore. He uses us. And so we have that responsibility. I, I've been that guy in that video. I, I don't know about you guys. I've been that guy where I go, well, maybe I should share with that guy. Eh, eh next time. You know, maybe I'll see him again. And, uh, and, and we, we, we've got to, it's not so that Jesus loves us. You know, that's not why we share our faith. We don't share our faith. Go, oh, I, I'm, I'm a loser unless I share my faith. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's, it's so that we can partner with God in changing the world. Red Letter Revolution, the way to change the world is making disciples. And so when we enter that, when we follow Jesus, when we fish, we join him in, in transforming the planet because every soul saved is, a, is another life change. And so that's how we have impact. And these guys that we're reading about, you know, they had great impact, but not at first. They had their ups and they had, had their downs, but I appreciate that they made this commitment. It says, at once they left their nets and followed him. They made the decision. They, they responded. And so I, I want to call you to make a decision to respond today. If you've never really responded, if you never really said, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus, I want to I call you to make that decision and respond the way they, they did. If you've never made a clear decision, okay, I'm going to leave my nets and follow Jesus, I want to invite you to do that. That's, that's really what we're all about is trying to help people make that decision, try to help people become disciples. And we'd love to talk to you more about what that means. If you've been a disciple for a long time, and you can remember this, but now you're kind of a little funky in your commitment. Well, the next verse is going to be really good for you. Let's look at uh, John 21. Because what happens with Peter is he does drift. John chapter 21, if you turn there. John chapter 21. This is where we left off last week with our lesson. Okay, so three years later, Peter drifts. He, he, he is so afraid that he... Uh, lies to a little servant girl saying, I don't know Jesus, swearing, getting angry. I don't know him. Leave me alone. Right? That's, Peter, that's the low point Peter gets to uh, because he was afraid because, you know, he had made that commitment, but he, he, he got afraid. And remember the rooster crowing uh, three times after, as he denied Jesus, uh, Jesus. And he went outside and he wept bitterly, it says. I mean, he thought his whole life was over. He thought he denied Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross this guy he thought was the Messiah now is dead, and yet Jesus comes back alive. And so it's all renewed. It's all, okay, there's hope, but he's still, you know, kind of not there. And so he, he goes back to Galilee. Remember, Galilee was 100 miles north of Jerusalem. Peter goes 100 miles back home. He goes, I'm going back to fishing. So he's out fishing, and Jesus appears to them. Remember, Jesus rose from the dead in Jerusalem. So now he appears to them 100 miles north in Galilee. That's kind of cool, right? And, he, and, he, and he's on the beach, and they have breakfast on the beach together like we read about last week. And so at the end of that time together, he pulls them aside, John 21, verse 15. It says, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you, or you can see that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. 
The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Okay, a couple things that you don't get from this because we just have one word for love where there were several words for love in the Greek. And so there's two words for love being used here. One is agape love. Agape love is all about commitment. Regardless of your feelings, regardless of circumstances, it's a total commitment kind of love. Like the kind of love a, a mother has for their kid. You know, It's just agape love. It's total commitment love. Will-directed, godly, self-sacrificial love. The other word for love that's used here is phileo. Phileo is friendship love. It's kind of like buddy love. It's like we have the same interests, so we're buds. You know, like we play Xbox together. You know, or we, or we play basketball together. It's a buddy love, but it's not, it's not total commitment love. Does that make sense? Phileo love. So in this story, it says... Jesus says, do you agape me more than these? We'll talk about that in a second. Do you agape me? Yes, Lord, Peter says, you know that I phileo you. So Jesus goes, do you agape me? Peter goes, yeah, Lord, you, I mean, you can see you're my buddy. And then Jesus says, again, do you agape me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. You know you're my bud. Take care of my sheep. Third time he says, Simon, Simon, do you, do you, this one is phileo. So the third time, Jesus says, are you really my bud? Are, you re are we really phileo? Are we really friends? And then Peter's hurt because, you know, now he's asking if I'm even his friend. He says, you know all things you know. So, so what was Jesus doing in this interaction? He was trying to call Peter back to that initial commitment. Because a little later he says, follow me. I want you to follow me. I want you to get back to that commitment. And here he says, I want you to feed my sheep. So the, our third final point is feed. So we talked about Follow, fish, and feed. Uh, so you can remember, they'll start with that. Um, so what, what, what was he talking about? Well, what does he mean when he says, do you love me more than these? More than these. There's three possible interpretations. He could mean, do you love me more than these, like these other guys, these other disciples? That's one possible. Another is, do you, uh, do you love me uh, uh, more than, what is the, I, I'm forgetting one of them. Sorry, i got to look at my notes. Oh. Sorry, I lost where I am here. Do you love me more than these? Yeah, thank you for agapeing me. Yeah, more than... Yeah, that's what it is, Sandy. Thank you. So do you love me more than these men love me? Do you love me more than you love these men, these other, like your brothers? Or do you love me more than these fish and these nets and kind of what we're doing right now? And scholars think it's the third one. Because do you love me more than these other disciples love me? How could he know that? Do you love me more than you love these brothers? You know, it, it, the, the, the paper I read, and I can send you this paper, it says something about the, the way that Jesus worded it. It doesn't seem like he meant that because of the, the gender of the verb or whatever he uses. So it seems like what he's saying is, do you love me more than this? More than this stuff, more than these nets, more than fishing, more than, all, they just had this miraculous catch of fish, and they just had breakfast on the beach, and they just, you know, it's a great time together, but do you love me more than this? This is what I've called you to is something greater. Why? Because then his response, Jesus says, if you do, then you need to feed my sheep. You need to be about people again. 
Remember, because Jesus called him from the nets to fishing for men. And what did Peter do? He went back to the nets. And there's not that there's anything wrong with fishing. It's not like it was a sin for Peter to fish. But it's a matter of where is his heart? Jesus is trying to get where is his heart? Do you love me more than this? And, and so, you know, for you, what, what would Jesus say to you? What is the more than this for you? Maybe it is fishing for a couple of you. But usually it's something else. There's something else that gets our heart. There's something else that we maybe go to when we're feeling, uh, you know, something. We, uh, this is our escape. There's somewhere we're, that we go. Or there's somewhere that really has our heart or our commitment. What would be your nets? What would Jesus say, do you love me more than blank? You know, it, it might be something kind of noble, like providing for your family. A lot of, we have a lot of hardworking guys here. You, got, you know, I'm going to do the best as I can on my, on my job. And God wants you to be a great employee, right? But does that have more of your heart? Oh, i got to provide for my family. Okay, but is it at the expense of your spirituality? You know, what's the most important for your family? Uh, maybe it's a little less spiritual, like focusing on retirement. You know, I've got to make money. i got, I got to focus on retirement. I mean, it's pursuing health and fitness. Maybe it's community activism or environmental causes. There's a lot of great things we can even do. Yet Paul says, if you do all these great causes but you don't have love, it's all worthless. So, so you see there's a connection here made between Jesus equates love for him with love for people. He says, do you agape me? Then take care of the people. Uh, and, and, and there's every indication that Peter really gets that, that from this point on, he never fishes again. He, he goes back to Jerusalem. He stays there. He gets the Holy Spirit. He starts the church in Acts. The church grows to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. He shepherds that church. He's bold. He's courageous. The church grows and spreads all over the, the Roman Empire. Peter ends up in Rome as a leader of the church in Rome, the greatest city in the world. And he's eventually martyred for his faith because he got back on track. He, he, he got back to his, his commitment. You know, ask yourself, what, what is it? What is more than this for you? I mean, it might even be Xbox or movies and entertainment or things that, you know, you're kind of even embarrassed. You know, yeah, I, I love, it might be sin. Like you love your sin more than making a commitment to Christ. Uh, pornography or substance abuse or a sinful relationship that you know is wrong, that you're just not willing, you're, you know, you're not willing to let go of. And Jesus is calling you to leave your nets and follow him. He says, uh, he closes out by saying, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Again, he's calling him back to that initial commitment. And he's saying, you know, you, you are not, you're not going to be able to be in control of your circumstances. You're not going to be able to always, you know, have things the way you want them to be, but you've got to be committed to following me. And that's true for all of us. Like DK said, you know, you surrender. You go, you know better than I. You know, I don't understand everything, but I know that I'm going to stay committed to you. And I know I'm going to have total commitment to Christ. Have you drifted in your total commitment to Christ? Uh, or have thorns grow up to, to pull you away from Christ? Or have you ever made that decision to truly leave your nets behind and follow him? Jesus calls you into more than this. To follow him, to, to be a fisherman and to feed, to leave your nets behind. I'm going to pray right now for our, our weekly offering. And um, this is not for the visitors. If you're visiting with us, this is for the members. It helps keep our church going. 
and uh, a lot of us give online now as well, so appreciate those of you who give online. And then as we're taking up our offering, we're going to kind of see this lived out a little bit. We have a great sister in our ministry, Courtney Cobb, who became a Christian a couple years ago, and she went on a mission trip down to Haiti and really put her faith into action by stepping out and going to Haiti and doing something for God there. And so we're going to be able to hear about her story a little bit and, and what kind of experiences she had in Haiti, and then we'll close out with one more song. So uh, I'm going to say a prayer for the offering, and then uh, we'll have Courtney share, and then we'll close out with one more song. Let's pray. God, wherever we are in our commitment today, God, thank you that you welcome us into a relationship with you, God. Thank you that following you is not about rules, but it's about relationship. And it's not about perfection, but it's about commitment. And I know everybody here can make a decision today to be more committed, to get back, uh, get back to fishing for men, or get back to... Uh, commitment to you or wherever wherever we are, God, I pray every person makes a decision today. And thank you for this opportunity to give to you uh, financially. Uh, I know that's one of the things that really gets our hearts often is, uh, is our finances. And uh, thank you for the way that sacrificing can help our hearts. And I pray that uh, this offering will glorify you. And I thank you to be able to hear from Courtney uh, as she shares. And uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Courtney.